0: Chapter Twenty Four of *The Lark* by Inezbud. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. I feel as if we were being whirled along in a what do you call it? Said Jane. Motor car? Suggested Lucilla. Her speech obstructed by pins. No maelstrom. Said Jane. Things do keep happening. So, don't put in so many pins, Luce. I can see how it goes. All right. They were occupied in covering two easy chairs with bright chintz. I am sorry to say that they had cut up a pair of curtains 12 feet long by 6 feet wide so as to avoid the extravagance of buying new craton to brighten the sitting room which they were arranging for their new guests the curtains were beautiful with purple birds and pink peonies and pagodas of just the right shade of yellow to be worthy to associate with the pinks and the purples the curtains were lined and bordered with faded rose-colored chinese silk and pounds could not have bought their like shillings on the other hand and not so very many of them either could have bought the cretonne pity but do not despise these inexperienced housekeepers they did not know how should they even the most charming girls do not know everything there was a girl once who cut up a fine handwoven linen sheet to line a dress with and thought she was being economical but that is another and a sadder story well, we want things to happen don't we said lucilla wasn't it rather the idea that we should live a strenuous life full of hard work and earn our livings with the sweat of that pinky silk would look lovely under a bluey purply sort of crepe de chine there'd be plenty of it for us each to have a dress that would be something happening yes your aunt lucy did certainly have the loveliest things these curtains must have come from a much bigger house than the cottage and i don't call a new dress things happening things that you do to yourself aren't things happening it's things other people do those loathsome pgs that didn't pay and mrs dad and you being mrs rochester that doesn't count it wasn't real quite real enough thank you and now everything turned upside down to get this room ready for these horrid people they're nice people lucilla insisted i don't care how nice they are they come upsetting things with fourteen pounds a week guineas said jane absently do you know luce i think there's something to be said for the sheltered life we had a little taste of it just that week or two after the pigs bolted that's the life emmy has always no anxieties just time to be jolly and enjoy herself if that's what you feel you'd better go and be a seraglio at once nonsense and i'm not saying what i mean did you ever notice how sometimes you don't i think what i really mean is that i don't want strangers about however nice they are and i mayn't think they're nice either hold that corner steady and i'll stitch it now and have done with it and we'll nail up the untidy edges underneath i wish you'd rein in your wandering mind and tell me what's happened oh nothing said jane and stopped short suddenly only forbes says she didn't understand it was to be a boarding-house and mrs doveton says we ought to keep accounts and mr dix says we ought to keep bees and he wants us to have pigs and a cow and we haven't the least idea how much anything costs or how much it ought to cost and seventeen guineas a week looks lovely, but if you don't know how much you're spending, you can't tell where you are. We may be barging along the road to ruin for anything we can tell. And I don't suppose these rooms will be ready by the time these people come. And Missus Dubton says we ought to have in our sugar by the hundredweight wholesale. And the drawing room chimney wants sweeping, and we keep on saying we'll get the silver up from behind the garden-room stove and we never do did you hear of people biting off more than they can chew there's nothing in all that said lucilla busy with snipping scissors everything's going on all right but i'll tell you what jane if you begin to turn coward everything won't go on all right much longer this place is too big said jane it eats up all one's courage but we wanted a big place to earn our livings in and we got it by a miracle. I know we agreed that we wouldn't tell each other not to be silly, but really every word you say is true said jane every single word and i am an idiot but there's mr dix going on like an intelligent steam-engine and mrs dubton like all right i'll drop it let's talk of something else is that thornton girl good-looking? girl returned lucilla she's married to one of them i don't know which i must have told you that a dozen times never said jane you said the tall one was her brother but not a word about her being married to the other one i thought they were all brothers and sisters hurry up let's get these chairs done and go out and see the fountain mr rochester's made it work but i told him not to turn it on till we came out she fell to work with renewed courage what was it you were asking about the thornton girl just before i said she wasn't a girl what was it oh i don't know said jane blithely it doesn't matter anyhow now let's fix our powerful minds on bees shall we have them or shan't we can we afford it oh yes said jane if our mr dix says so he knows about it all he knows he knows that'll turn out all right don't you worry and variable as the shade by the light quivering aspen made, said lucilla yes i know said jane yes i was in the dumps but you're a splendid comforter luce i see that you're right and everything's all right and you are right and i am right and everything is quite correct lucilla's scissors snipped in a thoughtful silence but to herself she said oho and remained thoughtful in the face of the sudden bright gaiety with which jane now enlivened their work the afternoon was fine the fountain played to admiration and mr rochester received the congratulations of the company mr dix received permission to buy bees jane seemed to have received a new lease of her habitual light-hearted optimism and lucilla felt that she had received enlightenment it was mr rochester's day of triumph for after the fountain had sprung and sparkled and pretended to be in turn cotton wool and glass and fine silver he announced that the library was done and they trooped along to see it the too enthusiastic interest of gladys had led mr rochester to ask leave to keep the door locked so it was some time since anyone but rochester had entered the room now they all stood in a silence of admiration that followed the first involuntary and unanimous oh for all the mustard-coloured paint was gone and the panels showed in the beautiful grey of their own oak the books had been dusted and put back on the shelves and the room had been swept and brushed to a fine bare neatness why it's the most beautiful room in the house said Lucilla. almost it persuades me to be a bookworm said dix and took down a book and then another book lucilla also began to take down books large ones with pictures in a moment she looked round for someone to share the delights of a book of engravings romantic pictures of castles and monasteries and ruins with the wonderful trees and skies of the steel engraver and the little blurred round brown footprints of time oh do look at this picture of lindisfarne isn't it lovely and mr dix came and looked and said it was but look at this he said displaying his book the lovely little pictures of strange beasts jane and rochester drifted to the window whose big bow made almost another room an octagonal table leather-covered came near to filling it they squeezed past and leaned out of the casement among the thick-flowered jasmine and wisteria. when i say they drifted i do not really mean what i say to lucilla and dix they no doubt appeared to drift but what really drew her to the window was the action of Mister. Rochester. He too had taken a book from the shelf and had held it out for Jane's inspection. And when she looked, it wasn't a rare edition or a picture of a manticora or a ruined abbey that she beheld, but a slip of paper on which was written, "Please come to the window. I have something secret to tell you." Now you must know that during the last few weeks, Jane, by an art so consummate as almost to have deserved from an unkind critic the epithet of artfulness had succeeded in being very nice indeed to mr rochester in public and at the same time had most resolutely avoided all occasions of converse with him except public ones rochester with equal art but inferior success had tried his hardest to get a word alone with her in vain always she was with lucilla with mrs doveton with gladys with one of the dismal and non-paying guests and if he did find her alone she was always on her way to keep a most urgent appointment with one or other of her unconscious chaperones. lucilla who had herself no desire for tete-a-tetes had seconded jane ably if unconsciously and this had gone on and on now jane looked at the book and said yes very pretty and very very slightly shook her head oh but look at this said rochester turning the pages quickly she looked and this is what she read there is a secret door let me show it you first oh well if it was only a secret door and it was then that she moved slowly towards the window rochester following with an admirably simulated air of its being a moment this like any other moment that's very good of you he said in that veiled voice which sounds just like ordinary talking to anyone a couple of yards away until he tries to hear what you're saying and finds that he can't and there is a secret door but first i want to ask whether i may go on using this room i am writing a book about my new discovery oh said jane and her voice was not quite so veiled as his but still she wasn't exactly shouting have you made a new discovery what is it well he said if it's what i think it is and i don't think i'm wrong it knocks spots off newton and as for einstein but that's all dull to you you mean i couldn't understand it you could of course but you'd have to understand a lot of other dull things first mathematics and physics and dynamics and things like that can't you explain in a popular style that the beaver could well understand i suppose i could but it would take a long time and it wouldn't amuse you only may i come and write here it's so quiet and so good and i wouldn't be in the way i'd go in and out through the french window and the secret door well i shall always be here and when you feel you'd like to see it well here it is you know but i can't have secrets from loose about secret doors you know she added hastily forgive me for saying that i can please let me he pleaded let me have just this one little secret with you oh very well jane mumbled anxious to get away from any talk of secrets especially from the memory of another secret that he had with her the little secret of their last interview in that room when jane looked at his coat it was the same coat and wondered how any fabric worn by men could be at once so coarse and so comforting all the same but i thought she said picking jasmine flowers and laying the stalks together with earnest accuracy. I thought you were to take care of your uncle's house till he came back. Oh, that's all off. My uncle met a chap in Paris and he's lent him his house. He's got a lot of sixteenth and seventeenth-century books, you know. And this man's got some wonderful cipher he's finding out. And his health won't let him live in London near the British Museum and of course these books are a godsend you see this cipher is really rather a wonderful thing so my uncle says and-but tell me said jane who like most normal human beings was deeply uninterested in ciphers where are you going to live well that's really what i wanted to talk to you about jane wondered how she could have ever thought he wanted to talk about anything else about their last talk in that room for instance she could have slapped herself for that refusing shake of the head what could he think of her why should she have refused to come to the window to be told about where mr rochester was going to live you see he went on it's much easier to say no if there's no audience and i thought if i asked you corum populo you wouldn't perhaps like to say no even if you meant it no to what to dix's idea that i should share his cottage do you mind no why on earth should i then that's all right he said joyously and we're friends again aren't we we've never been anything else she said sticking the jasmine in the front of her dress mayn't i have some he asked and really it would have been silly and self-conscious and schoolgirlish to tell him to pick a piece for himself so she gave him a sprig of jasmine and he put it in his coat then i'll move my traps down to-morrow he said it's really very good of you jane reminded him that the whole place was his uncle's and besides she said isn't it better for mr dick's isn't it cheaper to keep house for two than for one she asked not quite that perhaps he said gravely though his eyes were smiling but two people together cost less than two apart i'm told i suppose they eat up each other's crusts and look here dix and i were wondering couldn't we have another day on the river before those new people of yours come i wish you didn't have to have them you ought to have the place to yourself and not be obliged to and not be obliged to turn pigs loose into it well it isn't our place you know and i think how lucky we are to have a place at all to turn pigs into i wish you hadn't to do it you'd like us to sit on a cushion and sew a silk seam i'm afraid the strawberries are over for this year he said but oh well let's make the best of it miss cray says they're really nice people these new pigs of yours we could get up a little dance oh said jane new vistas opening before her may i implore the honor of the first dance all right said jane there was certainly no reason for saying no thank you and that night she and lucilla talked long and earnestly of the lovely possibilities of rose-colored chinese silk and chiffon and all the shades of the fairy rainbow the shades that you can never match in the shops it was the day before the one fixed for the arrival of the thorntons and mr tombs the rooms were ready the armchairs looked beautiful and jane was enjoying a well-earned rest in the hammock that hung from the apple tree on the remotest of all the lawns when she saw through the bushes the uncompromising black and white livery of forbes approaching like a large respectable magpie whatever is it now jane wondered she was deep in uncle silas and wished for invisibility forbes very properly waited till she was quite close to her young mistress before announcing that there was a lady to see her tell miss cray said jane i can't see anyone forbes said that miss cray was out she believed ma'am oh all right jane plunged angrily out of the hammock i'll come i suppose you put her in the drawing-room who is it did she give her name yes ma'am it's mrs rochester said forbes and something faintly resembling a smile seemed to play near her mouth mrs rochester and lucilla not in and forbes the gravest of the grave almost smiling this was a little bit too much once was all right and not a bad joke but twice and with john rochester working in the house too lucilla ought to know better jane quickened her pace to a run she had shaken lucilla last time this time she ran on arrived in the hall flushed and dishevelled glanced through the crack in the drawing-room door yes there she was close to the door from the library jane crept quietly through the room where john rochester was to-day fortunately not working came behind the seated figure and smote it violently on the back crying oh no you don't old girl and her hands were raised to tear off lucilla's disguise not a bonnet this time but a hat and quite a smart one when the smitten figure having risen turned staggering revealing to the stricken jane the infuriated countenance of a perfect stranger this time it really was mrs rochester End of chapter twenty four